The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Do you know who it was you were trying to record? It was an episode of The Dark Times. And who sponsored you? It was just a pod. Who sponsored you? Tell us. Tell us now! It was a producer named... (laughs) (sighs) Hello and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite uh, hat-on-a-hat bounty hunter. (laughs) And I'm Steven, your favorite assassination worm. Aw, would you still love me if I was an assassination worm, Stephen? <laughs> no. <laughs> you're, you're venomous. Get away from me. We were poking a lot of fun at Zam before the start of the episode. That's true. And <laughs> Discord server was having a, a bit of a riff with with that that whole chase earlier, I think maybe today and yesterday. And, and then, you know, Sam brought it up to me and I was like, you know what? That, that was a convoluted assassination <laughs> plot. So Dooku hires Django, who hires Zam. Who gets a robot that uses <laughs> that uses like caterpillars or more like you know centipedes <laughs> to kill Padme? Only only two, by the way. Only two there are: a centipede and another centipede. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so we we were talking about this, and I feel like we have to mention it now. Also, yeah, that An- Zam flees the scene. Anakin yeah. steals a speeder. Obi Wan yeah. jumps after. They chase after Zam. Django Fett also follows them to make sure Zam doesn't give him away, but also kills Zam without while getting spotted at the same time. Yeah, he doesn't take the opportunity to kill Padme himself. Instead, he follows Zam. Yeah, he doesn't try and kill Padme. Kills kills Zam with a distinctive weapon identified by a line cook. A, a weapon that's immediately traceable to the one planet he's living on. Yeah. Like he doesn't have any other bullets he can use. <laughs> like, it's not. You know, Django, I can tell, is a bit of an enthusiast. And I, I know because I'm the same way. He just got those, right? And he, <laughs> he was, was so, so excited ready. to try them out. Because, you know, you could kill Zam Wessel pretty easily just by shooting them. Yeah. But... <laughs> No, I gotta use a cool poison dart. You just got him, dude. This is part of the part of the contract with the Kaminoans. He's sick as sick darts. <laughs> yeah, I get six thousand credits a week. Uh, they gave me a kid, and I got these cool poison darts, baby. Best contract ever. <laughs> Best contract ever. I don't fucking know who Sifo Diaz is, but these poison darts fucking rule. <laughs> I it really just shows you like how every bounty hunter in Star Wars is just some fucking uh, enthusiast. Oh yeah, freak. just just likes his hardware. <laughs> just 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 a real real like gun otaku, you know? Yeah, exactly. A Mandalorian otaku, yeah. even. <laughs> <laughs> I think Django's also a foundling, right? Is that is they retcon that yet? Or is I, that a- <laughs> it's complicated now. There, there was like there was that whole thing. The whole someone said someone prominent said Django's not a Mandalorian, and that like. Wiped out a whole thing, but I think maybe now he's a foundling. They so he's still from Concord Dawn. Yeah, I think, but he wasn't like born there or anything. I don't think 
He might have been born there. I really He might have been born there. Oh, shit. Well, I'm sure someone will correct us. I do yeah. remember in The Mandalorian, they're like, yeah, you're a clone. Your dad doesn't fucking even even really a Mandalorian. Yeah, it was it was weird. I feel like why did we even need to go and make it complicated? You know, it's like. I don't know. It all got complicated when they decided that one of the coolest bounty hunters in the galaxy would be a clone of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, a, a quick, quick mention to our listeners. If I sound a little different, I'm I'm recording uh, from a, a freshly moved in apartment that is largely empty. So there's a good amount of echo, probably. Um, I'm, no, we've got Steven in the cube tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the torment cube. He's a, we've heard your pleas and I, I have relegated Steven to the torment cube for the next podcasting hour. Uh, oh my God. His, once his crimes go, go punished and he atones for his sins, then we will return him back to the meat space. <laughs> Steven, what are we, what's the premise of this week's episode? As much as I'd love to just talk about Sam Wessel for an hour. Yeah, we could do the, the Zam times podcast probably down the line. In fact, that might be the, that might be the darkest summer special. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Um, so we had a plan for this episode and then like we kind of often do something happened and then we decided to do something different. Um, yesterday that, that something was this time was I, I found a book, a, a revised, uh, core rule book edition book in a rotting pile in, in an embarrassingly poorly ran game store. I was taught like crumbs in the floor, like furniture <laughs> strewn about, you know, they have rat like, folk and goblins can, <laughs> no, seriously, with like each the, other. <laughs> the magic cards on display. It looked like an earthquake had happened and no one went to like straighten them out. It was, oh, no. it was a disgusting story. It was like how shops like that looked like 15 years ago, you know, when things were like a little rougher. We've hit a second renaissance, baby. Exactly. Clean up your no fucking act. Better time to own a game store than right now. And and it's it's a shame <laughs> it hasn't been cleaned up. But that's that's how it goes. And you know, I was I was on the road in a smaller town, so it it, it kind of makes sense. The shop owner was, you know, a piece of work too. But that that's we're not on the, the game. <laughs> Well, oh, that'd be a great uh, Patreon fodder. Oh, like diners, to- drive-ins, and dives, but for game shops? Oh, <laughs> my for God. shitty game stores? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dungeons, dragons, and dive bars or something like that. Dungeons, dragons, and taverns? I don't know. There's something there. We can, it'd be like PC bangs, card shops, and game stores. I don't know. Um. That's a good, that's good though. I'm keeping, if like, if is G4 still a thing? Is Spike TV still a thing? <laughs> we got to call them up. <laughs> they tried to bring G4 back. It's gone now. It's Damn, gone. that was quick. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing about that. I, I didn't know if it, if it, they put it back. <laughs> it's gone. And none of the people who were on it knew that it was ending a wow. second time. Yeah. That's <laughs> sad. That's, that's It's rough. really sad. Yeah. But uh, let's what. So you found a book. Yeah, I found a book. I found Secrets of Tatooine uh, in 2001. Wizards published The Secrets of Tatooine by J.D. Weicker for the revised Star Wars D20 RPG. That's the edition that precedes Swissy uh, for those, you know, counting at home. Also, the same game that uh, the Nerf Rancher's daughter was from D- Dust Dirt. No, Dirt. <laughs> Death Dirt. Death Dirt and the Nerf, Nerf Rancher's daughter. That, that was that adventure was written for this system. As was this supplement. A close cousin to Swissy, a lot of the math and numbers are, are uh, transmutable. In fact, there's an official guide for converting from one to, to the other. And it's it's quite nice. Uh, it contains oodles of information about everyone's second favorite desert planet across all eras. 
including a full adventure and Shmi Skywalker's stat block if you ever needed such a thing. Wow. <laughs> I looked at the stat block, folks. Reputation zero. <laughs> Get owned, Shmi. <laughs> That's great. But uh, most prominently and perhaps most famously, though, complete pod racing rules. That's right, oh, folks. Yeah. There's a whole subsystem in this book that covers, and, and, and you'll see probably a little more detail than you wanted, pod racing in Star Wars. It's amazing. We've covered skill challenges a great deal in the past, and, and that's, that's like racing is a prime example of, of how a skill challenge ought to be run in Swissy. Um, this book offers something different, though, and, and we think it might be a good fit for your table. We're going to read the highlights unmodified from their original source. Uh, and I believe these could be easily adapted for Swissy, but that's that's not what we're up to tonight. I definitely do want to take a crack at bringing these closer to Swissy rules, but we're we're not here to do that. We're just we're just reading now. My thoughts might change after we actually discuss these, but I think it might be one of those things where it's easier to adapt skill challenges inspired by this template and this uh these rules rather than trying to adapt these rules to saga edition. Does Definitely. That make sense? And I, I think, I think that's wise. And we can have a conversation about that at the end here. I've, I have some time slotted for that, but um, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, it's definitely going to be more like a, there's like a few favorite things that I would pick from this and then add to skill challenges, not the other way around. If you get what I'm saying, Sam, I'm, I'm going to hold up to my camera here. The, the listeners can't see, but they can easily find this on their own. There's a pod racing, like, character sheet not the not a full hud yeah oh a, i love a, this a full custom character sheet just for pod racing it is incredible it is like covered in your like star wars y2k filigree it's got the lap markers from phantom menace on it it's Woo! got a it's got a funny little little uh, logo that says moss espa arena pod racing on tatooine the uh <laughs> the sample uh character sheet is for sebulba so <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and on the right side of this of this character sheet here, you, you've got. Um, oh, sorry. Let me take a step back here. The sheet naturally tracks everything that you need to, to pod race. It's got nine different traits that are all interrelated and, and to help you simulate your pod race. Uh, a few of these are top speed, braking, traction, cooling, defense, Stuff like that. Yeah, you can already see where this is going. Keep in mind, this is a 2001 sci-fi RPG. So we we are in oh, the my fucking death race. The game. I'm so excited. We are, we are in the crunch. Remember, this was the game they pared down to make Swissy. Swissy was like the <laughs> simplified version of this game. So, uh, yeah. And on the right side of the, the character sheet, the, the, the I think they just call it the racing data sheet. You have the race track, which is a really, really funny name. Uh, it's not the rate like the map of the race. It is more like a condition track that tells you where you are in the race. In this subsystem, races are divided into stretches and each stretch is numbered one through a maximum of 30 on this on the sheet here. As if your players couldn't get enough of it. There's 30 stretches in this race, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, up to 30 stretches potentially. But, you know, you can. <laughs> the, the exa- there's a nice example race in here that I think has like nine or something. But yeah. So obviously, at, at the start of the race on the racetrack, you start at the first one, first box right up there. And then, like you'd expect, this is going to progress by rounds. And the rounds are a lot like normal combat with some exceptions. Ergo, you, you do roll initiative every round and the action economy is a little tweaked. It's, it's kind of cool. So the standard turn proceeds as follows. 
you roll initiative, which is going to be your pilot modifier plus your top speed. Then you're going to move. Then you're going to do something we like to call resolved track conditions, which if there's a hazard or something like that in your current stretch, then that's going to get resolved. There might be a hairpin turn. There might be Tuscan Raiders shooting at you. There might be you know falling debris, stuff like that. And then you're going to take an action. An action can be quite a few things, usually accelerating or decelerating or repairing your pod racer in situ, uh, whatever you may be. There's, there's a few things that an action can be here. Then you're going to move again. You get to move twice in pod racing per, per turn, which is nice. One the, for each engine. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> and then you resolve track conditions again, do your second action, and then apply engine temperature damage, which engine temperature is a whole fucking thing that we can get into in just a sec. And it's actually one of my favorite, like the, the, the speed and engine temperature are my favorite takeaways from this pod racing system. So Sam, there's four speeds and changing your speed requires an action. There's neutral, which is barely moving, idling. This is described as like, you know, remember when the pod racers are like getting up to the starting line in, in Phantom Menace and they're like just kind of taxing around. That's what neutral yeah, yeah. is. There's low, and that's when your vehicle is moving quickly, but safely. At this speed, you cover one stretch per move. So now you see here how we progress through the race. Each race is going to have a maximum amount of stretches. And then as you move on your turn, you'll be moving a certain number of stretches per move action. Then there's high. The vehicle's at maximum thrust and you do two stretches per move. I feel like I'm describing like a yoga, like a hot yoga routine. <laughs> Some hot yoga. Ooh, I bet they're not very. Well, actually, yoga is probably pretty easy. We don't have legs. Oh, yeah. yeah. You just got to stretch that tail around. <laughs> then there's boost speed, where a vehicle is using its boosters, exceeding maximum thrust and rapidly heating the engines, though you do get to move three stretches per move action. The pod racer speed also affects your defenses and pilot checks. And now keep in mind, folks, these numbers, these are RCR numbers. These have not been adjusted for use in Saga Edition. I don't know yet to what degree they need to be changed. Probably a good bit, but do take that with a grain of Tatoonian sand as you listen. So at neutral speed, you have a minus six to your defense and no penalty to your checks. At low speed, you have no penalties or bonuses. I think that means you can't make checks at neutral speed. I think so this is NA. It does right? say NA and not zero. You're right. So maybe you cannot make checks at neutral speed, which makes sense because you're not really doing much of anything at all. You're not racing. You're you not can't racing. make racing checks. Yeah. Good. Good catch, Sam. Thank you. At low speed, you have no penalty and no bonus to either your defenses or your checks. At high speed, you have plus four to your defenses and minus two to all your checks. And at boost, you have plus 10 to your defenses. You're much harder to hit at that fast speed, but then minus six to your checks. It's harder to that's, maneuver. That's crazy. You think yeah. it'd be the opposite. I feel like the checks would be higher with your speed, but the fence would be lower with your how fast you're going. Have you ever, well... I was about to ask if you've ever driven a really fast car. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Trying to see how, how I can retort without making a, a fool of you. Um, no, that's okay. That's what this podcast is for. That's that's a good point. Yeah. So, Sam, you don't drive much. <laughs> when you're driving a vehicle and you're going very fast, it's actually harder to maneuver. Turns are more difficult to take without spinning out. You've seen Initial D. You've seen NASCAR. That's fair. To take a turn safely, and the same applies to aircraft as well, actually, you have to slow down. Your radius of turning decreases as you slow your vehicle. A lot of words to say, things that move slower are more maneuverable, generally. 
Oh, then. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why boost speed. You're moving very quickly. You're very hard to hit. Plus 10 to your defense. But it's much harder to maneuver your vehicle. Hence, minus six on your checks. Additionally, at the end of every round that you traveled at boost speed, you increase your engine temperature one step higher. There's five engine temperature steps, each with increasing penalties to pilot, greater damage at the end of your turn, and higher repair DCs to cool that engine down. We'll go into a little more detail about that later. So racing actions, the book lists quite a few examples. Um, (laughs) There's two categories of racing actions, but all but one of the actions are in one category. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So these are called maneuvers. You can accelerate, decelerate, and these are to increase your speed on your turn. Obviously, if you want to increase your speed, you accelerate. There's a DC associated with that. The more you want to increase your speed, the faster you want to accelerate in one turn, the higher the pilot DC to do so. Same applies for deceleration as well. The other maneuvers are attack, ram, bump, avoid hazard, turn, roll, jump, and regain control. We'll go over just a couple of those in a sec, but most of them are pretty self-explanatory. And then you can also repair. You may spend an action to reduce your engine temperature by making a repair, and in Swissy we call it mechanics check, at the listed DC. Uh, let's see here. The highest, like if, you're, if, you're temper- if your engine is critical temperature, it's a DC 25 repair check or mechanics perhaps uh, to, to cool it off one step. That's at while moving at speed? While moving. Yeah, you do that, <laughs> you do that while racing. I don't know. I might make that a 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining like Anakin doing his like boop, beep, boop, boop, click, 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 woo, like that, that sort of shit I imagine is what's going on. <laughs> like properly venting and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Actually, let me just double check that. It, does it take you? It cools you down one step, right? No way. It cools you off all the way. Yeah. One step lower. Oh, <laughs> and another note here. If engine temperature ever moves past critical, the engine explodes. <laughs> I've exploded a pod in a game of chance. <laughs> a couple of highlights from those racing actions. Uh, bumping is actually really, really cool. This is definitely something I would take over to Swissy. Can only be attempted on a target in the same stretch as you. You make opposed pilot checks. The difference between the checks is compared to the out of control table and the low roller gains that condition. We'll go over those in just one second. But first, we've got to talk about regaining control. If you lose control, well, buddy, you better get it back. It's a DC 10 pilot check modified by any penalties from your out of control condition. So what's it mean to be out of control, Sam? Do you have any experience being out of control? Just emotionally. Yeah, exactly. So imagine that, but with a pod racer. That's too fast, Steve. (laughs) When you fail a check, any check, say you want to accelerate, decelerate, whatever, you fail. You can't advance to the next stretch. If you fail a check by 10 or more, you may lose control. Make another check against the same DC. So we're confirming our out of control here, Sam. If you succeed, you remain in control, but you don't advance. If you fail again, you gain a condition depending on how bad you fail. If you fail by less than five, nothing happens. You just get a minus two penalty to your checks until you regain control. If you fail by five or ten, you're off course and you have a minus five penalty to your checks. 11 to 15, engine failure, also minus five. 16 to 20, you get bumped. 
and the effects <laughs> of being bumped also minus five and failing by 21 or more. I'm not even sure how you would do this. You crash. And also a minus 10 penalty to all your checks until you regain control. Uh, keep in mind, so if you bump someone, the differences between their check and yours, say they fail, they get one of these effects depending on how much higher you roll than them. On the off-course effect, the pod racer, of course, leaves the course. You roll a 1d6 minus 3. Bear with me here. Interesting. Sam. Yeah, very, very, very specific, very interesting. The result is the number of stretches the racer must move back on the racetrack. If the result is negative, the racer has discovered a shortcut and may immediately move one or two stretches ahead. So bumping can potentially backfire here <laughs> or just falling oh, off course man. can get you ahead. The racer must continually attempt to regain control until they are successful or stop. And then engine failure, the racer automatically slows down one speed category each round to DC 10 repair check to fix as an action but it can't be attempted until your next turn. So you're guaranteed to slow down at least one step. And uh, the rest of this chapter is largely focused on generating races and opponents. There's a huge page long list hazards along with appropriate DCs for obstructions, turns, narrows, and, and such. It's really, really cool. There's even a lot of guidance for making a pod racer character, though, of course, it does not matter much for, for Swissy as, you know, yeah. a lot changed in character creation between these two <laughs> games. So no advice they give you here could ever really apply. But generally, as you'd probably predict, someone good at piloting, someone good at mechanics, really all you need. Uh, my verdict on this, Sam, the subsystem, it, it's been talked about a lot here and there over the years. And personally, now that I've sat down and, and read through it, uh, really, really cool. Definitely in need of some polishing to make it smoothly slot right into Swissy, but it's very close. The biggest advantage over racing skill challenges this has to me is the variety of player choice. There's more dials for the players to turn and adjust rather than just rolling against DCs. There's also more choices for the players to make, you know, what like, oh man, do I speed up to try to avoid attacks? Do I slow down and try to play it safe? Do I play it risky and hope that I find a shortcut. There's a lot of different strategical decisions that the player can make in the pod racing system here. And I, I love it. It's a little characteristically over intricate, but that's to be expected from, from RCR, uh, but definitely not <laughs> out of place at a table that has an appetite for this sort of thing. Um, after a careful paring down and some DC math, Sandy checking, I would happily use these rules at my table. Um, I'm reminded of the rival skill challenge. Uh, what are they called? Challenge effects or whatever? Yeah, when challenge they, modifiers, challenge effects. That might be it. Uh, where, so I'm seeing this as instead of having stretches, you have clocks yeah. like you do for normal skill challenges. And the mm -hmm. clocks are equal to how big the race is. Things move you back, move you forward. Um, I'd probably keep the going off course, like rolling a D6 minus three and then being like, oh, you lose three steps on your clock or you gain two steps on your clock. Something crazy like that. Yeah. Um. It's it's definitely interesting. I would definitely par down so many different penalties. I'm sick of penalties yeah. being minus two, minus five, minus five, minus five, minus ten. Like, just keep it down to minus five, minus ten or minus two, minus five. And there's a lot of that here. I mean, you can read it in closer detail yourself, but there, there's a lot of things where it's like, OK, um, yeah, apply your braking modifier when you make this turn on your maneuvering check, which is your piloting check plus the maneuverability of your pod. It's like. Hold on, like we left, like, like there's a reason why 4E 
like was not loved <laughs> very like a lot at first. And it was for that exact reason, you know, and Swissy, we're used to it. We're throwing around plus twos, minus twos, plus fives, all sorts. But, you know, it's it's manageable most of the time. This definitely irks of an era where that sort of thing was normal and you had to balance all these numbers. And, you know, these days we consider that a little less fun. Crunch is great and all. Don't get me wrong, but I'd rather, you know, spend time playing a game than doing simple addition just to figure out if I made the hairpin turn in my pod racer or not. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I'm sure the the list of hazards are going to be pretty inspiring for. Oh, oh, it's good. Using in Saga Edition. Really, really good. And again, check those DCs against what Saga Edition advises you. But yeah, it's a nice, nice table. Really, really good. Very specific. You can piece together your own course quite easily. Heck yeah. Look like we're we're going to have a time for the Boon to Steve classic at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> what I want to do is like lift probably the stretches and I like the two actions per turn with the movement. I'm having personal trainer like flashbacks, Steve, whether <laughs> lifting or stretching. I'm kind of you're losing me here. It's a it's a tabletop game. And the um, the engine temperature, speed, and out of control systems, I, I love them all, and I would absolutely include all of them if I were to do this at, at a Swissy table. Heck yeah, heck yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Steve. That's really cool. I'm glad that just a random happenstance, just picking up a book at a local at an LGS, and oh yeah, anytime I see a, a pile of dusty old like old RPG supplements in a corner of of some shitty LGS, I'm like. Oh, I got to know if there's a Star Wars D20 book in there. And, you know, (laughs) there sometimes is. All right. Let's send you guys out into the break. Hell yeah. Out into the into the great wide break. A racer without a pod. Damn. Into the dark times podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. A rebel without R2. Damn. There we go, go Stephen. That that could be good. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Dave Matthews hip was that Leonard Skinner? Who is that? I think it's Dave Matthews. I think it's Dave. I want to say Dave Matthews. That might be Tom Petty, actually. Oh, wait, wait. (laughs) I'm 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 shifting bets to Tom Petty. Uh Steven! Ah. This is the part of the show where we thank the dear listeners for listening. Oh. People listen to this? I hope so. (laughs) If you're listening out there, thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, simply the mere act of you listening is all we could hope for from from anyone regarding this pod. It, it, we we immensely appreciate every listen, every little bit of attention this pod gets. It's it means everything to us. It's it's amazing. And let's say listening isn't enough for you. Let's say you're hungry for more. Yeah. Steven, how can they support the show? Well, you can support the show by telling a friend, telling your GM, telling your table, telling your mom, telling your dad, telling your grandparents, telling anyone about the show. If you tell us that you told someone about the show, we'll shout you both out on the show. Want to do more? We got a Patreon, basically a tip jar. There's going to be some exclusive content on there pretty soon that we're both really excited about. But for the time being, there is my hex crawl guide. There's some maps that Sam made. Patrons can select their favorite submission on our, our somewhat monthly uh, build bounty showcases. They can let their voice be heard and let everyone know who they think the coolest build is. That's 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 about it, I think. You forgot the best part. Steven, enough about the fucking crap. You forgot the best part. I did forget the best part. If they stay on the $5 tier for three months, they get a sticker emblazoned with the Dark Times logo. And if they stay on the $10 tier for three months, they get a t-shirt and a sticker. It's incredible. What an incredible yeah. value. 
What incredible value. Oh, uh, I just want to say here, stay tuned for the end of the show. Not only are we going to announce the patrons favorite from our latest Pathfinder Build Bounty Showcase. That's the prestige class, not the RPG folks. We're also going to go into detail about our hiatus content that will be available exclusively on our Patreon for the months of July and August. We're calling it the darkest summer. I don't know if you've heard. It's the darkest summer. The darkest summer from the Dark Times podcast. Bam. But you'll hear about that later. But for now, let's send you guys back to the show. Bing bong. Bing bong. Steven, Ezekiel brought us a build. Oh, I love Ezekiel's builds. It's been a, it's been a bit, I feel like. It's been a bit. It's been a sec. But it, this build was accompanied by an email. Let me, let, me, let me pull up the hollow message here. Let me just get my hollow <laughs> reading glasses on. Your hollow reading glasses. Yeah, they're, they're also holographic, but it helps me read the hologram a lot. They're like blue light glasses, except they're made of blue light. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> come God. on. That, that was funny. That was good. That was really good. Hey, Sam and Steven, I made a build inspired by the Garrote, and as I think grappling is a cool mechanic in Swissy, I came across a feat, Hammer Blow, which I do not know if it affects grappling and would like your input on it. It says that it doubles the strength bonus to unarmed attack rolls if you're unarmed and holding no items. So would it work for grappling with nothing in hand? Uh, name, Zaziklo the Grime Cord worked as a hitman for the, for the Black Sun who would use his Garrote to attack people quickly from behind, where he would then dispose of them. If needed, he is no slouch in a gunfight, but prefers to do it quickly with his hands. His, with his Mandalorian advance ability to quickly run up and grab his targets before they even know what hit them. This is Zaziklo the Grime Cord, a Nautilin Soldier 9 Elite Trooper 3. It's a great pun. Steven, you love, you love Nautilins. I love Nautilins. They're one of my favorites. Ever since I saw uh, Kit Fisto in, in, the, um, in the original Clone Wars cartoon. Heck yeah. Not an Attack of the Clones? Oh. Wait, wasn't it? Was it as cool then? Did that air before Attack of the Clones? No way. Well, uh, no that's, way. That'd be yeah, crazy. No yeah, that'd be <laughs> nuts. That'd make no sense at all. Oh yeah, Attack of the Clones then. <laughs> Just Anakin has the wrong hair. Then <laughs> Attack of the Clones Missing comes a out. Hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa! What happened here? <laughs> so that's great. Funny. Oh man. Uh, before we move any further on Zaziklo, the Grime Cord, uh, I would love to hear your ruling on Hammer Blow, Stephen. Yeah, um, let me take a look. I need to I need to look up some definitions real quick. To be fair, uh, not, no grab or grapple deals damage. It's only unarmed attacks. Okay, so, that changes and Hammer Blow things. only applies to unarmed attacks. Uh, unarmed attack rolls. A grappling attack is an unarmed attack, but it doesn't yeah, deal damage. Yeah, it's a grab attack. Yeah. So... Sounds to me like it's cut and dry. Hammer blow works here. Yeah, definitely does. It's rad. I don't know if it's rules as intended, but it's cool. Well, you know, because hammer blow implies not a grab, but in fact, a blow <laughs> in yeah, the style no, I, of a I, hammer. Well, you know, you just you just you grip him real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hammer blow probably totally applies to grapple checks. It'd be weirder if it didn't. I think that's fair. That's fair. That would set a weird precedent if it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about weird presidents. <laughs> Nautilins are cool, Stephen. They are. Regardless of the stat debuffs, we're looking at plus two to con, minus two to intelligence and wisdom, which is not the best. Oof. But they make up for it in spades with their cool, cool species traits. Breathe underwater. You know what that is. Reroll and swim <laughs> checks. That's great. A swim speed of four squares and they got low light vision. That's 
insane. Nice. In addition, they have pheromonal sensors. Steven, a noddling can reroll any perception check made to sense deception or sense influence, but the result of the reroll must be accepted, even if it is worse. Oh, if underwater, noddlings can take the better of the two results instead, oh, which hey. I, is an insane thing to say that you can sense deception way easier underwater than you can above land. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you ever tried to fool a fish? <laughs> no, that my point exactly. How do you deceive someone underwater <laughs> with pheromones? Was there? I guess so. Yeah, you can smell them better. Yes. (laughs) The real kicker is this, though, Stephen. Damage reduction. Nautilus rubbery hides provide a species bonus of dr two. That's incredible at level one. It can be very effective in the long run. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nice and pretty unique. Not many species have that. Exactly, exactly. Now that we've gotten Nautilus out of the way, let's talk about grappling. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy, Stephen. Now, we both know there's a very incredibly helpful infographic on the Wikia page titled Grappling 101. Made by Little Literalist, by the way. Made by Little Literalist, which I will leave to do the heavy lifting for us here on The Dark Times. But to break it down pretty simply uh, in the Cliff Notes, Spark Notes version, there's only three states of grappling. There's a grab, which is being grabbed. Until you break a grab, a grabbed creature takes a minus two penalty on attack rolls unless it uses a natural weapon or a light weapon. Additionally, it cannot move until it breaks the grab. Breaking the grab is a standard action and automatically clears one grabber per character level. The grabbed creature chooses which grabber it clears if there are any left over. Those are like if you're being taken down by like three dudes or something like that, you know? Yeah. There's the grappled state, which requires a grappling feat to achieve either pin or trip. Like a normal grab, it's an unarmed attack and deals no damage. If it hits, then you immediately make opposed grapple checks, which is 1d20 plus your base attack bonus plus your strength or dex depending on what's highest. And the size modifier, which is typically zero for medium creatures. If you beat your target, they are now grappled. What happens because of this is entirely dependent on which feat or feat combo you're using, and we'll cover some of those as part of this build. Alternatively, if you're armed with a light weapon, you may deal damage with that weapon if you win the opposed grapple check. No attack roll is necessary. Uh, this was this reminded me of dogfighting, which is kind of like yeah. grappling at starship scale. Yes, it absolutely is. Except instead of doing the opposed checks first, you do the opposed checks after. <laughs> oh, you know. And then you deal damage. But I do like the idea of grappling someone and they just fucking shiv you three times. <laughs> exactly. It's cool. And it, it like never happens. <laughs> and there's pinned. The pin state requires you to be grappled by someone who has the pin feet, of course. If you succeed on a grappling attack and your opponent fails the opposed grapple check, your opponent is automatically pinned until the start of your next turn. A pinned creature can't move or take any actions while pinned, and it loses its dexterity bonus, if any, to reflex defense. You cannot use the pin and trip feats during the same round, but you can use the pin and crush feats during the same round. So basically, if you're grabbed or grappled, no move action and maybe a penalty on attacks. But if you're pinned, you don't get to take any actions. Back to Zeziklo, Steven. All right. You've got grab back. The unknown regions feat, which gives you a plus two bonus to your reflex defense against grab and grapple attacks. If an enemy misses you when making a grab or grapple attack, you can immediately make your own grab attack against that same enemy as a reaction. Oh, very nice. Insane. Special. If you have a feat that enables you to make a grapple attack, such as pin or trip, you can make a grapple attack instead. Uh, He also has grapple resistance from the legacy era campaign guide. Another feat. You get a plus five bonus to your reflex defense when an enemy makes a grab or grapple attack against you, and you get a plus five bonus to all opposed grapple checks. All objects that you are holding or carrying gain a plus five bonus to the reflex defense when attacked as well. Um, 
my question is, do you think these bonuses stack from grab back and grapple resistance? Let's see. They appear to be untyped. So, yeah. All righty. That's that's a that's that's great. That's great. Untyped bonuses, man. Those are my bread and butter sometimes. Uh, Zaziklo also has expert grappler, which you gain a plus two competence bonus on the grapple attacks, which is great. Any bonuses to unarmed attacks when it comes to grabbing or grappling is a plus here. Uh, also has the pinned feet, which you just talked about, right? But Zaziklo also has the crush feet. If you successfully pin an opponent with a grapple attack, you can immediately deal bludgeoning damage to it equal to your unarmed damage or claw damage, whichever is greater. Classic. So with martial arts one and two, increases the unarmed damage to 1d8. But the real star of the show here, Steven, is the Garrote. Steven, what's the Garrote do again? I'm, I know it's been, we're a little foggy on the Garrote. It's been oh, a couple episodes. My, my brain has fogged for the Garrote, but let me tell you, my heart has not shrunk for the Garrote. <laughs> The effects of a garrote are felt on the target's turn. At the beginning of the grabbed target's turn, before it can take any actions, the target takes damage from the garrote and moves down one step along the condition track. The target also suffers the normal effects of a grab. The target may attempt to break the grab as normal. Oh, it's great. It's, it's, it's amazing, it's especially a, for a It's grappler. a CT-killing grappling garrote. It's great. Yeah. Ezekiel has been kind enough to do all the fancy math for us, so this is what we're looking at in terms of grapple checks. Grapple. Basic, plus 17. If it's a counter grab, it's plus 19. The character's reflex during the counter grab is 33. And opposed is a plus 22 for the grapple checks. All of these checks get a plus one if using the garrote. If unarmed and, and, and if hammer blow affects it like we say it does, then the grapples are plus 20, plus 22, and plus 25 respectively. That's insane grappling for... I'd love it. I love it. Scary. Um, it's practically a tradition at this point to send a ridiculous grappler after your party at one point or another. This is a really good one. A black sun enforcer who's a who's ready to just grapple people to yeah. death. It, they call player, him the grabber. <laughs> your players will hate you for this, but it's very important for their development into into full fledged players that 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 you you do this to them, and I strongly encourage you to do so. Absolutely. This is a the the grab grapple pin dynamic is a flourishing ecosystem of this this game and it should be used utilized even i don't think i see a lot of official at least not a lot of official low level stat blocks that use grab or grapple no. or anything like that that'd be cool maybe some some grabbing mooks the, they call them the grab brothers they the grab, grab you <laughs> amazing uh thank you so much Ezekiel for sending in uh Zaziklo? I don't know how you would say that, Stephen. Zaziklo? Zaziklo. I like Zaziklo better than what I've been saying the whole episode, so we'll say Zaziklo. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Stephen, do you have any trivia for us this week? I don't. You don't have any trivia for us this week? Then what the fuck do I even have you here for? <laughs> what did you... Did you bring us anything, Stephen? I brought the patrons' favorites from the Pathfinder Showcase. Oh, Stephen, I'm getting a transmission from the Patreon. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, it looks like they have made the decision on who the pathiest pathfinder is. Uh, let's open that up here, Stephen. Here, I'll, I'll let you open it. You got the you got your lightsaber letter open yeah. for this. <laughs> Congratulations to American Psychos Gorb Galar and Ben's codename Shepherd with a tie. A tie, Stephen. A tie. Incredible. Well and, done, uh, everyone. Only only available on the Dark Times Patreon are these kind of <laughs> events unfolding. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was an amazing. This is like, OK, so like 
I, I, I selected the Pathfinder Prestige class because I never see it get enough love. And you guys really came out to shine with these builds. Those are particularly spicy, very fun collection of builds. I'm very happy to have these now on the Google Drive for all of us to use. So congratulations to everyone and congratulations to American Psycho and, and Ben. Great work. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to include the Google Drive folder in the description of this episode just so that people don't forget to see all these cool, cool Pathfinders that everyone submitted. Uh, Steven, I think it's time for us to announce the darkest summer and the events that shall take place during. Yes. Uh, for those of you who've been following along, you may already know if you haven't. Now, you know, we're taking a two month hiatus for the months of July and August. We'll be returning in September, uh, September 6th, I believe, will be the airing of, of our return episode. But for now, we are saying uh, goodbye for a short time. We have a Patreon, as we've said. We didn't really know how to do a hiatus and have a Patreon because people are still sending us money and will still send us money throughout the whole dealio. So Sam and I devised a, a couple specials uh, for you guys to enjoy while we're gone. The first will come out in July. The next will come out in August. And these will be available exclusively on our Patreon. Uh, if you're not on there yet and decide to get on there just for these, that's great too. That's awesome. Um, if you want to leave the Patreon because there won't be any episodes during this time, any normal episodes during these months, that's okay too. Feel free to do whatever you please. But these will be available on our Patreon. Um, the first one, Sam and I will be releasing a exclusive audio commentary track for the 1984 film Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure. <laughs> We've just been calling it the Ewok movie yeah, for the yeah. past like month. <laughs> Runtime of three hours and 10 minutes, by the way, Sam. Is it really? Yes. Oh my God. I got my work cut out for me. This is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam, do you want to reveal what the, the August will be? Absolutely. So for August, we are going to release a sort of abridged excerpts, uh, audiobook retelling, dramatic reading, whatever you want to call it, of Kevin J. Anderson's Therefore I Am, The Tale of IG-88, uh, published in the Tales of the Bounty Hunters book from 1996. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. IG-88 is probably my favorite bounty hunter from the cool Empire Strikes Back scene. Yes. And uh, I'm also excited to see the Ewoks movie for the first time. Yeah. But finally, we'll get to see what all these Dathomiri witches are about, man. I mean, <laughs> too bad they never did anything else with them. And <laughs> this is the only... <laughs> Bit of lore we have about them, man. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, so I'm excited, Stephen. I'm excited to not have to edit this podcast uh, once a week for two months. I bet you're going to have a lot more free time on your hands, but you also have your work cut out for you. I we do. I've do. got my work cut out for me. So please, you know, subscribe to the Patreon if you if you've thought about it and you were like, hey, I, I really like Sam and Stephen. I think they're really funny, which. First of all, one, you're delusional. Yeah, there's something and wrong say, with you. And second of all, you're like, oh, man, I've always wanted to watch the Ewok movie. And you know what would make it better? If I had two nerds talking in my ear the whole time. <laughs> I'm excited to take this journey with you, listener. And I hope that it inspires you to, you know, this is gonna, these are going to be available for every tier on the Patreon, right? So the yeah. 5 and $10 tiers. Yeah. You'll be able to enjoy those for as long as you're a patron. That's pretty much what we have for the episode today, right, Steve? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I want to we'll still be on Discord. We'll still be on Reddit. We'll still be around. You know, we're not going to yeah. just vaporize. We're Sam and I are just are moving into a very busy oh, phase in our lives. Steven, and, I didn't yeah. tell you I'm going to be putting you in carbonite <laughs> oh. for the next two months. Did you not get the memo? It was 
That's what that big box that showed up at your at your place was. But Sam, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the Dark Times is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. You can reach out to us at DarkTimesSWSE on Twitter or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Tell a friend about the show. Tell us you told a friend about the show and tell everyone about the show. And we'll shout you out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? No one's ever really gone. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Finally. Oh. Who says that, by the way? No one's huh? ever really gone. Oh, Luke. Luke says that. When does he say that? Like in the sequels or something. Oh. Yeah. Like Last Jedi, I'm pretty sure. Last Jedi. No one's ever really gone. And then he disappears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good night, everybody. Do you think it cut Luke's life force even shorter to materialize the Sabacc dice from the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it did. I think I think he lost a good like like few minutes. Like he had like six years left until he decided to also materialize yeah, yeah, the Sabacc dice. Those dice cost him six years, six whole years of life. <laughs> um, I I was fishing for that I know earlier, but then I read like I'm the one in carbonite, so like I should have said I know. But yeah, you, you get it. You, no, yeah. no, it was still funny. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> I think we, I think we got it. Yeah. Um, I want to have a little segment just if you had any words to say to, to to the fans out there. But Stephen, you're you're about to do your first dark times hiatus. How are you feeling? Um, pretty good. You know, it's. Are you, good. Are you proud of what we put out for the past? Yes. Two years. I yes. think Almost two years. I'm very really. Proud. Yes, I am actually I'm glad. <laughs> Someone has to be. <laughs> oh man! Oh my God! This is like the retrospective. Like oh, the 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 music slowly fading out, and we're we're slowly we're getting softer and softer. Yeah, yeah, we're. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's been a journey. I think I've learned a lot. Yes. Over the last couple of years, not only about podcasts and editing and audio engineering, but also about game design. I feel like yes, I, and. I fucking interviewing Rodney was probably it's still probably my favorite episode of this show. Probably. Yeah. I'm just cause it was such a great conversation. I'm, I'm just so glad that we got to not ask rule questions for an hour and a half and just be like, I would love to know more about what it was like to be a freelance wizards of the coast writer in like 2007, you know? Yeah, it was, it was and, enlightening. And I, I really hope, you know, coming out of this hiatus, I really want to do more, more episodes like that. Absolutely. Maybe a cool Patreon exclusive. We play the, one of Rodney's games. Destiny two. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to cut it. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's great.